Welcome to the ADHD Open Space Podcast. My name is Gray Miller, and I will be your host and facilitator as we explore ideas, workarounds, accommodations, and other aspects of being a professional adult with ADHD. Most of this will come from my perspective as a cis white male in his mid-50s, living in the Midwest, who found out a year ago that I've been living with ADHD my entire life. I am not an expert on ADHD, except maybe in not knowing I've had it for half a century and somehow still getting by. But I promise to cite my sources, or at least admit when I'm repeating something I read on the interwebs. If I say anything you don't agree with, you are welcome to call me on it and let me know. This podcast is also part of the lead-up into the first ADHD open space happening in Madison, Wisconsin, on January 20th, 2024. You can learn more about that event both here in the show and at the website ADHDopen.space. The first 30 episodes of this podcast are also being released as part of National Podcast Post Month, not Pod Pomo. That means things might get a little rough, but it's going to be fun. Kind of like ADHD, right? Enjoy the show. So this is the second interview. I'm trying to do an interview every Sunday. Um, and this one is a little more personal than the last one. And I'll be honest, I'm a little trepidatious about putting it out there. I am interviewing my partner of over a decade, Natasha. And uh, she and I have been going on this journey of discovering all this new stuff about ADHD together because, you know, we've been living together for quite a while. And basically the reason I've been a little nervous about it, though, is because this one is not only did I really want to talk to her, but I wanted her to be completely honest. And she trusts me to mean what I say. So she was completely honest. And so there are some parts of it that I, I was surprised. And she, she told me, she said, there are some parts of this you might not enjoy hearing, but I am committed to being authentic over everything else. And so uh, I said, go ahead and do it. And that's also why I'm not going to edit out any of these parts that are, you know, not uh, the most flattering for me. My fear is that people will hear this and they will think, oh my God, Gray is one of those guys who just has fallen into heteronormative gender roles and uh, he doesn't do any housework and expects her to take care of everything, all of those traditional gender role type things. I was going to put out some kind of a disclaimer or, you know, oh, this all I guess and I realize, you know, it really doesn't matter. The, the only people who uh, Division of Labor really matters to is me and Natasha. I'm uh, very happy that she agreed to be in the podcast, and I do think there are valuable things that people can learn just from hearing about other people's relationships. There is one more thing. Um, I am going to be opening up early registration for the ADHD Open Space in Madison, Wisconsin, starting on the 15th. Um, so on the 15th of November, which is... This Wednesday, uh, you will be able, I will put out a link in the substack and also on ADHDopen.space, where if you want to, you can register early. Um, the early registration is $50. If you come after December 1st, then registration will be $60. It's not much of a change, 
only 10 bucks, but you know, every little bit helps. And I also think it'll help us uh, know who to expect and how to expect it. So I also promised you that that was the only thing that I would ever try and sell you on this podcast was registrations. And so I have done so. Um, I will talk more about it later on, but just want to let you know, if you want to mark your calendar on November 15th, that's when the early registration for the open space for ADHD professionals will be happening. And without further ado, here's the interview. In this particular interview for the ADHD Open Space Podcast, uh, we have my partner, Natasha, and uh, we also have um, our dog, Saru, who is sitting in my lap, and our cat, Wash, who is observing from the director's chair in the corner. Apparently, everybody just decided to come into my office for this. So thank you, Saru. Um, now, Natasha, uh, to the best of our knowledge, you do not have ADHD. No, I was tested a few years ago and came up just kind of below borderline. Gotcha. So um, in that, for that reason, I can't do a, you know, what's the uh, little trading card with Natasha's ADHD stats on it. Um, but we could do mine. You know, because I'm, uh, you're my partner, and that's what we're we're interviewing you to see what it's like to be the partner of someone who has been late diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and I realize it's just a, a bundle of joy and laughter and and pleasant things 100 percent of the time. But just for the sake of science, we'll go through these. Um, so I was diagnosed a little less than a year ago, I believe. I was the official diagnosis um, at the age of 54. And um, I am currently on taking Adderall uh, to uh, compensate and help me with scaffolding um, the things. And I first suspected I'd have ADHD probably about six months or so before I got officially diagnosed because my therapist brought it up. Um, yeah. And pretty much before that, I 100% was sure I didn't. Like other people had it, I did not. Um, and I think the worst thing about ADHD for me is putting things, uh, putting things down and forgetting that they're there or my brain won't let me know where they are or that I should take them with me. Uh, you know, what my leaving the house routine is, that's what I hate about ADHD. Uh, cause I end up coming back in the house about seven times. And the best thing about ADHD is, um, is you dear. No. Uh, the best thing about ADHD is that it has always enabled me to see many different options out of any problem. And that has helped me overcome a whole lot of things in, in my life um, and help other people overcome things. So that would be, those are my, my stats. Um, so I guess, you know, here's the question. What, uh, I guess we should give a background of us. Uh, tell Tell me about um, your partnership with me. Like, what's what's the background so people can have you in context? Uh, so we've been together probably about almost 14 years now. Mm -hmm. um, we were long distance for a while. Then we weren't. And then we were again. And then we weren't. Um, we've sort of gone through different iterations of our relationship, being not as serious and then very serious and now domestic partners. Yep. We are legally domestic partners. Um 
And I mean, so that's kind of the bare bones history of us. Mm-hmm. We lived together in a tiny little house uh, in Wisconsin with our dog and our cat. We have no children between the two of us, but I have four grown daughters from a previous marriage. Which gives me grandchildren without having kids. Yes, which is the way to do it, let me tell you. It's much easier. (laughs) And some very lovely, very lovely stepchildren, um, if they allow me to call them that. Some of them have. I have not asked all of them. Yeah. Take off the collar. <laughs> Is he very rattly? Uh, yeah, he'll be rattly. And uh, yeah, so put the coffee cup over there too, just so it doesn't clonk on the table. So, um, so yeah, so that we were we've lived in domestic bliss for quite a while, and uh, you've been with me through my entrepreneurial phase, yes. uh, which was when we first met, and I was a traveling. Um, event producer and presenter and adult sex educator in alternative relationships. I, in fact, we met at a workshop um, yes, that I was did. giving. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that that um, that has been around. So you got to see me through that. And you uh, actually for a while functioned as my um, executive assistant, basically, and virtual assistant first. Um, and then when you and we moved in together, you uh, were part of the business and helped run events and things like that. Yes. Um, I guess that's the first question is, I mean, uh, have you, have you experienced or seen a difference or does any, anything now make sense? I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So my first question for you is what, uh, was your reaction when I first came to you and said, you know what? I might have ADHD. My very first reaction was, oh, that makes sense. Why is that? Um, just because there are, there were certain things like that I, I don't know a lot. I didn't know a lot about ADHD at the time, but there were certain things of you having so many different projects going all at once or planning planners all over the place or rearranging the house a lot. And it just sort of made sense that, you know, ADD or ADHD would be, would be behind that. Did you have any emotions attached to the learning about it? Um, yeah, about shortly after you started talking about it, I think I got really frustrated, um, a little bit, and I don't want to say angry, but sort of just, there was sort of an aha moment looking back on some arguments we'd had and just some things that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've worked through a lot of that and we've passed a lot of that, but there were some things where I thought, no, I, I, I feel like I'm going crazy because we would have discussions where you were absolutely sure something had happened or we had talked about something and we hadn't and and we would end up in a in an argument and it was just very frustrating i mean we were kind of both being gaslit by my brain yeah pretty much yeah cuz i was absolutely sure yeah and i wasn't angry at you i was angry at the situation that we hadn't had the tools at the time right to 
understand what was happening. Right. I mean, and I mean, full disclosure, I have major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety. So there are some things that happen, probably because of the ADHD, that amp my anxiety a little bit every once in a while. Oh, yeah. I, I, especially working with me in a professional context and, you know, having to uh, to deal with all that. Um, what would you say, like, like how was your, I, I know what my process was in terms of coming to terms with it. Because, you know, now I'm totally adjusted and everything's perfect. Um, but what was Absolutely. your what was your process for coming to terms with it? Or do you think you have or where are you at in the process? Uh, I'm still working through it. I talk to my therapist pretty regularly about how to handle certain things and conversations. And um, because of my anxiety, there are certain kind of almost borderline obsessive things that I have um, for my comfort that I need. And I sometimes have to, like, the door locks. I was just thinking the door locks. <laughs> so um, just to give, to give everyone cottage, I'm going to describe that from my perspective. Um, so we have a electronic door lock. Uh, and when we, when we leave the house together uh, and the door closes, if I'm doing it, I just listen to the beeps because for me, if I hear one beep, I trust that it is locked. And if I hear more than one beep, then I know it wasn't and I have to redo it. Um, and that is just, that is my comfort level. Uh, but my understanding is your comfort level is more of the, you need to try it, check the door. Like regardless of whether beeps or not, like you have to like try and turn the knob and pull the door. And then you need to tell me and have me acknowledge that it is locked. So that then when later on, when we're wondering if it was locked, we both know that it was locked. Yes. Now that there is a backstory to why that started Absolutely. happening. And Go it's ahead. because we were gone one day and we came home and, or I came home before you did. And the front door was wide open. Mm -hmm. Luckily, our animals were too afraid to go outside for whatever reason. Um, but the minute they, they saw my car pull in, the dog ran out and I had to like slam on the brakes. I was afraid somebody had broken into the house until I found out that the door didn't just, the door didn't latch properly. Mm -hmm. So that triggered an anxiety level in me about the door. Right. And in fact, when you're not with me, I take a picture of the door just so that later on, if I have any of the, the anxiety brain weasels. Did I lock the door? Um, yeah. Did I lock the door? I can look at the picture and know that I locked yeah. the door. I mean, it's a good argument for having all smart appliances because we could know if we turned off the oven, we could know all those other things. Um, yeah. And I, and was it, did I, was I the one who had closed the door that time? She is nodding her head. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate you trying to protect me from that, but that's totally fair. Um, yeah. And we still run into that. Uh, I am at about, I think, 60, maybe 70% of locking the back door every time I come in. Um, yeah, that's you know, about right. it's getting better, but it's still not perfect. Uh, and, and we're still trying to figure out how to and I think, remind me of that. I think it has gotten better since we talked about it and I didn't just lock it on my own. I, mm -hmm. I said, Hey, can you lock the back door and you have to get up and physically go lock it now? And, and by have to, she means I said, I have to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I did ask, I said, would it help you if. Right. 
And and that's so that's actually one of the things that uh, I'm just going to sit here and sing your praises for a little bit here. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really, really appreciate about you is that, number one, you didn't say, uh, you know, well, everybody has ADHD a little bit, or you didn't say, uh, oh, that's just made up. Um, and you didn't say, oh, that's, you know, that's fine. Just try harder. Like you heard it and then you realize, you know, you looked for more information about it yes. and not just about ADHD, but specifically information about, um, being a partner, having a partner with ADHD. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, I think actually you found the, the first book, um, that or the book that I read that sort of was that sort of was the gateway uh for me to realize that there was um stuff for partners out there. Mm -hmm. Uh and then again I talked to my therapist who actually has uh I don't want to disclose too much. She has a partner and a kid kids that have ADHD, so she also has some background in that. Um, and I, I try to read whatever I can. I talk to my friends with ADHD. I try to understand better what that means so that we can have conversations that aren't me being nagging or accusatory of things. Um, but you also did the same for me when I was diagnosed with my mental health. So I think in a way we're both very conscious of the fact that we have to have conversations about things. We, I, I appreciate <laughs> that you that we got to spend the time practicing having those conversations <laughs> with your uh, mental issues and uh, or challenges, uh, so that we were well practiced by the time mine came around. <laughs> uh, but a lot of it was finding out, and and some of it took some work between you and I to figure out how I could ask things or talk to you about things um, that were coming up um, in a way that was not, that didn't sound to you like I was accusing you of, of something right. um, or nagging you. And I still, I still worry that that is the case sometimes, um, but we're, we're much better. And, um, like we knew that I had ADHD and I was using a lot of like the diagnosis and me starting meds was there was a period of time there while I um, saw the psychiatrists and things like that. Um, how has that changed? Like if have you noticed a qualitative difference? I have. You are. I mean, you can focus a little bit more on something that needs to be done. Um I can also, it's more that I can tell when you haven't taken them. Yeah. Now. I I was going to say, <laughs> what what I find interesting is I think with that, what you just said, I can focus a little bit more on what needs to be done. And most people would hear, you can focus more. And it's not that I can focus more because I can focus just fine. Mm -hmm. It's that on what needs to be done as opposed to... A rabbit hole of some sort that you've right. gone down. Right. I'm like, I'm like Saru when he sees a squirrel in the backyard. <laughs> You know, uh, or a bunny. Um, that's almost exactly what I'm like. Holy cow. 
And uh, and part of the funny, the reason why we're laughing too about, you, know, you can tell when I haven't taken them is because today is one of those days. <laughs> uh, I had the day, didn't have many um, executive function things that I had to do. And I thought, let's, let's give my brain a break from this stuff. And uh, I think I was, we were in the car and I was singing Motown songs to you. Or is yes. that what was going on? Yeah. And you were like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and, and so is there, have you noticed, uh, downsides to the meds? No, not really. Um, I think especially now that you do the bump in the afternoon and you're not having the, the, the really bad drop in the <laughs> yeah, bump is the right it's exactly yeah, okay, the well. <laughs> i just do a little bump in the afternoon and i'm fine the rest of the day yeah uh no i have i have a extended release that i take in the morning and then i have another um small dosage i take uh in the afternoon that is immediate release <laughs> bump in the afternoon uh, i don't know what else to call it yeah I, okay <laughs> um and I think, I think now that you've found sort of an equilibrium that you get through the day and then you can relax, I think that has helped. There was a, a period of time there where you were dropping, like getting really low energy in the afternoon. And mm -hmm. um, I think that was making just your life a little more difficult and stuff. So, yeah, definitely. Um. And the the book that we were going to talk about was Gina Perez. Gina Perez, uh, is it you, me, or the ADHD? Right, right. Um, what was the what was the first thing that was like useful to you in that? Aside from the aha moment of oh, that all makes sense now, which there's <laughs> so many of those. Like, what was useful? I think it was it was useful to read about somebody else who was going through something similar. And to also look around, and it gave me a chance to look around at the things in the house that maybe were frustrating me and put them in a different perspective and realize that you not knowing you had ADHD, me not knowing you had ADHD meant I was talking to you wrong or incorrectly about how I needed help around the house or something that was frustrating me. I mean, we laugh more about it now. There was the incident with the the dish for the coffee spoon where I was like, where can I put this <laughs> where you thing. will use it? And you were like, what do you mean? And I pointed at the spoon two inches away from it on the counter. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I need, I I'm just wondering how I can put this out in a way that you will use it. Um, and it gave me more of a perspective instead of being like, really? I was like, oh, okay, we need to just figure out how to approach this to try to make it easier. Right. And that that whole thing of the externalizing thing, like we gave up trying to, instead of just saying, hey, can you remember to put the spoon on the little dish that's just like an owl, instead of... Uh, putting that on a brain that most likely will not be able to remember that it's how can we put that in a way that it will make it easier to happen. And that's, uh, you know, they, they call it scaffolding. Um, they, Russell Barkley 
the has you know one of the big doctors of of ADHD. Uh, he didn't quite put it this way, but I'm always like uh, externalize the hell out of that shit, um, <laughs> because you know you just you, you you find ways to do that, and I feel like there have been ways that we have been externalizing things within the house. They honestly makes it easier for both of us. Um, but as I say that, I can't think of any examples. Can you? Um, well, so the dishwasher, we got the clean, dirty um, thing on the front. Little magnet that indicates. When we remember to turn it the right way, then right. that's fine. Um, I know that if I, I can't just assume that you might do something in the house, I have to ask. And then instead of, uh, like, say, the dishes, I have to ask. And then later on, if they're still not done, instead of being like, are you going to do those? I'm more like, oh, hey, do you still have time to do the dishes? Um, you know, maybe ease into it a little more gently. Right. Or, you know, I didn't happen to notice if the cat litter got cleaned. Did you do that? Instead of, are you going to get that done in the next time? Also, it helps me not think that you're going to, like, get up and do that right when I ask. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little defensive in the, I sound like I don't do anything at the house except sit around. Uh, so, full, full disclosure, I work out of a home office. Um, and so, uh, yes, I do actually... Um, try to get all the dishes done usually before you get home. Uh, but sometimes my work day is so busy that I'm not able to get that done. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that is the, the way that, that goes across. Um, the, uh, is there anything that has been easier for you since the, either since the diagnosis or since the meds? Um, hmm. I don't know about easier. Like nothing was really terribly difficult before. Um, things just make more sense. Yeah. Like if we need to rearrange the living room or, I mean, we can't in this house as much. Um, or if you've, you know, rearranged your office and I come home, I'm like, oh, okay. Um. This happens on almost a weekly basis. <laughs> or... And it's still not right, by the if way. I find something in a place it's never been before. Um, <laughs> but things also make sense. Like, there was a time when you would be like, I can't find my glasses. And there, but you would, without thinking about it, there was about three places you would set them down. Mm -hmm. And I would know to go look in those three places. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I remember very vividly that, I mean, one of the jokes that I always tell is, you know, when you have a 600 square foot house, one of the best things about it is that there are only so many places that you can put your glasses. It's much harder to lose them. And yet I managed to do it. And I remember one particular day that you came home and I was sort of grumping around and stomping around because I said, look, I can't find my glasses. I'm not, you know, there's that's the only reason I'm mad. I have no idea where they are. I have looked through the entire house upstairs. Uh, I've looked in the basement. I've looked in the bathroom. I've looked in the freaking fridge, and it's not there. I don't know where they are. And you walked over to your um, little altar shelf and uh, picked them up from where I had put them when I had gone into the bathroom. 
Uh, yeah. And found, just kind of like just like that. And I had walked past them about 73 zillion times looking uh, and they weren't there. So um, that definitely helped. Uh, and that's that's just something I think the hardest thing for me is to realize that there's no way for me to get better at that. I can just make my, I can get better at shaping my environment, which is why that exists. Now I am pointing at my desk <laughs> where I have a nice little uh, desk stand that has a place for glasses on top of it. And uh, to be fair, I have two pairs of glasses. I have a regular wear pair and I have a computer pair of glasses. And what's supposed to happen is that when I put on one, I put the other one in that spot and it's not there. That spot is empty at the moment. But that, to, again, to be fair, my glasses are right in front of me. And when I got to the point today where I clean off my desk, one or the other pair would go there. So it is working to some extent. Um, but yeah, that that's a, that's a good example. <laughs> of how that works. Um, so we're we're approaching the half hour mark, uh, and I, I sort of prepped you uh, beforehand by with the with what the final two questions of all my interviews are going to be. Um, so my first question is, and there's a little different when I interview people with ADHD. I ask, you know, what would you like it to, if you could, if you could instantly communicate with everybody who has ADHD and let them know one thing, what would you like them to know? And in your case, I'm going to say, if you could instantaneously communicate with everyone who is a partner of someone with ADHD, what would you like them to know? I think I would like them to know um, that there are days you're going to get frustrated. Um, and that's okay. Like your feelings are valid too. And like, it's okay if you get frustrated, just step back and remember that you know, the person you love probably doesn't even realize what they're doing that's frustrating you. Yeah. Um, and likely that they're even more frustrated. Yeah. I, and that too, and that they're probably frustrated by something else. I mean, I'm not like that doesn't sugarcoat anything, but like it happens, you know? Yeah. There are days where you're going to be like, why didn't he lock the door? And and that's okay. You know, you'll get through it. Um, and if you can find a way to laugh about it, like there are times that we just laugh because it's like, okay, really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and just, you will find a way to help and make it work. Yeah. It's a, it's a definitely a process. And um, what's one thing that you still haven't figured out and would love to, like, if somebody could just tell you the answer, you'd really appreciate it. <laughs> um, sometimes it's how to, how to ask a question to, to somebody that has a rejection sensitivity disorder in a way that isn't true. I don't want to say triggering. Let's say activating. Good word. Um, to that person. Mm -hmm. um, without feeling like I am walking on eggshells. Right. And and not even because the reaction is going to be anger, but, you know, you don't want to 
depress me or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or, or frustrate you right. or, you or know, make, make you sad. Start the narrative in my head that yeah. I'm the bad person and a bad partner and all those things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, and and to be fair, you, you do that pretty well. Not always, but I try. I mean, most <laughs> of the time. And and if you do if you do that, if I if I say, hey, the way you said that didn't work, I think almost always you will hear that and be like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's talk about how that might be able to be different. Yeah. So talk about how we can find a balance for me not to have to overthink everything. Yeah. And again, it's the same thing we we went through the whole thing before too. So yeah. When when it was in the other. When the foot was in the other shoe. Um, so, yeah. Uh, great. Well, thank you for thank you for coming out to the podcast studio and doing the interview with me. It was really far away. Um, yeah. And uh, I appreciate I appreciate you and love you very much. I love you, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the ADHD Open Space Podcast. Again, my name is Gray Miller. If you have any comments or questions about the show, you can feel free to leave them on the podcast page at adhdos.substack.com forward slash podcast or you can email me directly gray g-r-a-y at adhdopen.space the background music for the intro and outro are from pixabay.com and are called funny days together by background music lab used under a youtube content id license 